Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations. And Z, man, you and I have been having a good discussion in the background. You're in a pretty interesting mood, so you're all worked up about the things that we do in life that cause us to fail, even though we believe we're succeeding. And it's this whole set of mixed-up standards that we've talked about in the past, where the things that we believe we're supposed to do, run around with this constant sense of urgency, have a list of things to check off during the day, overschedule ourselves, get on top of our kids, make sure that they're overachieving, that they're going from one activity to the next so they can be involved in 15 different things so we feel like we can compete with other parents. The esteem that we get from our jobs, the sense that some people have that we have to be working, uh, we're so important, we don't have a second to take off, yet that causes anxiety, it takes us away from our family. These are false standards of success. And we've been talking about a very interesting concept, which is failing your way to success, which is the opposite of what most people do. And this came up because of a book that you've been reading, which is about diet and your mental state, uh, and maybe more generally about habits and your mental state, written by a doctor who found herself really at the point of breakdown. So she had a family. She was working too hard. She was stressed out all the time. She wasn't sleeping. Her marriage was suffering. Her children were suffering. And something happened to her. She had some kind of medical, either physical or emotional breakdown. And in that breakdown, she couldn't do anything. So she had to step back from all of the craziness and the routines that she was normally involved in. And one might think, oh, my God, if I'm not there to make sure that everything is okay, how is life going to move forward? How will my family survive how will my career survive? How am I going to thrive if I can't do the things that I want to do? But interestingly, in that time when she was failing by conventional standards, her life actually started to turn around. So she dropped a lot of the anxiety. Her relationship improved. She had more time to just sit back, enjoy life, appreciate what she had, built a sense of gratitude, and in a very real way, she was able to fail her way to success. And she wrote a book about her experience. So this is interesting. I think today's topic is interesting because it integrates a lot of what we've been discussing, uh, this false sense of urgency that people have, the false standards that we have. Uh, so just what we're told or what we believe constitutes a meaningful life, in fact, works against us. And in a sense, is the worst irony that one could imagine. It's almost like a cruel joke. We do all these things that we think are going to make us happy and bring us satisfaction. And instead, they deprive us, they deprive us of meaning. They hollow us out. They wear us down. So we need to be able to get away from these false standards. Uh, it's this idea that we're extremely important, that the success of our organization and our family and our children depend on our efforts and our ability to control the environment around us. Yet that's also uh, just a false idea. A lot of times the less we do, the better off we are. 
the better off the people around us are because we're not breathing down their neck. I see this in family life. I see it at work as well. A lot of times people do things just for the sake of doing things. How insane is that? They do things just so that they can feel productive, so they can justify their jobs, so they can feel good about themselves, even if what they're doing has no measurable impact. And sometimes it's counterproductive. Sometimes the things they do just waste time and effort, uh, not just their own time, but other people's time. You think about meetings that you don't need to have that suck up a lot of time, discussions, confrontations that really go nowhere, that don't advance any particular agenda or move you forward uh, towards whatever goal you have in mind. So it's really a different way of thinking about life. Uh, And when we say fail our way to success, when the world is broken, everything is upside down. Uh, Failure can be a form of success if what we conventionally think of as success is something that's extremely destructive and is hurting us. So this whole idea I find very interesting. I want to kick us off, Z, and get your perspective. How do we get to this point where the world is so upside down, where we have to fail by conventional standards just to preserve our health and maintain our sanity? Ravin, you you said it so well, and, and I'm glad I'm cooled off now. It was just a number of things that I observed in interacting with people and dealing with health crises of people both uh, physical and mental health crises, and and then watching my nephew here textagramming like a chipmunk, um, doing what they they all call it working. This is an upside down world. I don't I don't hear any jackhammers going off. I see no wrenches being turned. There's no work happening. So, this is the world we live in that we have normalized such a high level of energy that is not that offers no reciprocity or return of energy. There's no rebounding thing that comes back from it. And we, we don't know how to even see it anymore. And this is where it gets me. We talked about last week the trip we went on. And just the fact that there are so many things that are not harmonious, that are out of whack, but there's so much of it that we see it as normal. It's everything from flying on the plane and you can carry smaller and smaller bags because the weight of people is going up and up and up at such a rate that it's affecting the ability for the plane to fly. The food source is so bad, anything less than super rotten is considered great food. They had these restaurants in there that I would say 15, 20 years ago uh, it might not have been legal for a farm animal to eat. And they allowed these places as, as, as higher-end restaurants. And the food doesn't even have a familiar smell based on anything in nature. Because the food is so uh, modified with pesticides, uh, various types of microplastics, uh, different androgen uptake uh, devices to make it grow, and, and everything. And then you look at the people. You look at the science right now that says that women and men are producing about the same amount of testosterone. So our androgen and oxytocin vasopressin receptors are all off. Everybody knows it, but we just think it's normal. It's like some apocalyptic biblical scripture that said in the end the men will look like the women and women look like the men. It's indistinguishable. It's not a knock on anybody's sexuality. 
It's not a knock on that. It's not a knock on people's weight. It's not a knock on the fact that, on, on people's intelligence, the fact that there's so much heavy metal toxins in the water that we can measure the effects of these things through IQ points. Nobody wants to eat lead unless it's in ladies' lipstick to make it glossy all the time. That's okay. That's okay, I guess. You see? So you're taking in lead and, and, and you can measure the decline in IQ. Are we attacking uh, slow people? No. It's just we, we're in a world now where there are things going on where the percentage of dysfunction has threshold to the point where there's a normalcy about it, yet those of us who are somewhat enlightened and intelligent can't talk about it. We can't discuss it. We don't even know how to discuss it, and we question ourselves. So this, this idea that success is going, going, endless going, why isn't it a good thing? Well, it's not sustainable. As we said before, we live in a world where there's no more right or wrong. Right or wrong no longer exists. That died at the end of the last century along with what used to be called common sense. Those things don't exist anymore. What we used to call common sense, look both ways before you cross the street, blah, 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 is now extraordinary sensibilities. A very witty person nowadays looks for traffic. A rare witty person will check traffic. See what I'm saying? So, for those of us who are really understand that something isn't right, we're the few lemmings that, as the lemmings are running off the cliff or running into the river to drown themselves, we're the two or three lemmings that stop and go, "Hey, why are they running? There's no threat. I don't. Know. I'm not. I, they're all drowning in the river. Maybe I don't want to go there." Again, it's not a knock on anybody. I just would love for those of us who think to step back and say something isn't right. The emperor has no clothes. We've talked about topics like the rise of the anti-hero. Why are those of us who think following any of these politicians, following them to disappointment, every one of them will disappoint you. You know why every politician will disappoint you? Because they've measured high on the scale of sociopathy and psychopathy and even higher on the scale of narcissism, based on basic psychiatric screening. Mm -hmm. So inevitably, where would that person take you anyway? Whatever the letter is behind their name. Why would you get into that field of work anyway? Except if you're a narcissist, a psychopath, or a sociopath. So all of us want to sit up and ask in this idea of Social activism. People say, I'm a social activist. No, you're at home on a keyboard. You could be playing uh, Pokemon Go just as well as you could be railing about uh, whatever environmental issue you're railing about. You're doing nothing. Oh, I'm bringing awareness. No, you're doing nothing. Oh, I want to let people, you're doing nothing. You're adding more to the agitation. I tell people, turn off the news. It is not the news. It is a stream of confirmation bias information. Whatever you believe in, find a news station. There's going to be somebody promoting whatever you believe in. And it's going to make you feel good because it makes somebody else feel bad. 
You see how screwed up that is? In order for you to feel good, you got to hear bad news about somebody else. Politicians tell you how they're going to punish or beat the other side. We are, we're, we're better, they're worse. Don't we live on the same rock together? How is one person suffering? How does that better my life? How does the, how does the suffering of my neighbor better me? Oh, better them than me. <laughs> I got more than you. It's like getting on the plane and people are shoving and pushing to, to wait for the door to open on the plane. Do you understand how ridiculous that sounds? Just rushing, elbowing each other, fights breaking out. I want to be at the front of the line going nowhere. Right? Yeah, I want to be the first to nowhere. What? 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 See, this is how crazy it is. So you look at success and failure. So you say success is that you're always running around doing stuff. So you don't get eight hours of sleep. So the neurotoxins are, are building up in your brain. And you take a neurotoxin to shock your kidneys into giving you some alertness, but your brain's still foggy. You haven't had a good night's sleep. You can't think straight. Your hormones are messed up. You can't have normal relationships. But you got it going on. You're, you're on the go, huh? You're on the go. Your family life is falling apart. We have whole swaths of population that's sexless. Well, sex is just a real basic part of the life condition of human beings and things on earth. Hell, everything has sex or used to until we flooded the environment with all sorts of androgen and estrogen precursors and suppressors and enhancements and all these kinds of things. The very desire to live and to inter interact with a human being is the most basic metric of human well-being. You don't even do that anymore because you got a big important meeting tomorrow. Got a big meeting. Got a big meeting. Got a city council meeting. How about that? Got to get to the city council. We're going to be up all night the city council meeting. Then we're going to go and have uh, lattes and, and, and espresso and uh, eat some GMO uh, chicken-like thing. That's successful. Then you get home, all your loved ones are asleep. Or sitting up playing VR poker or something. What kind of life is that? But people say, that's life. No, it isn't. I've seen life. And I've seen death. And for those grieving the dead, life is the most precious thing you have. And life is not just a heartbeat or breathing. It's a story. It's an experience. It's a texture. It's a smell. It's a tear. It's a smile. It's a depression. It's excitement. It's so many things give our life color and character. And in the current definition of success, all that is gone. None of that exists except the endless pursuit of the endless pursuit and the acknowledgement by the faceless committee. A poor guy said to me the other day, or just saying earlier before we got online, his health was deteriorating, put on a few pounds since the last time I saw him, John Dissey. And, and, and he, he, I was telling you, my work, my work, my work. He was talking about his work, didn't mention his family, nothing. 
And he says, don't you want to work? I work because it makes me, I feel like I'm doing something important. I said, the most important thing you could do is be a good father to your child and a good husband to your wife and a good friend to your friends. That's the greatest work you can do in life. Everything else is less than that. I don't care what you're doing. I mean it. I don't care what you're doing. I am fortunate enough to work in a field where every day I do my best to mitigate human suffering. In the privacy of my own heart, through the minutes and hours of the day, what does it bring to me? You know, I did my best today. I don't have a I don't have the pressure of some outside person putting demands on me, but I put real lot of demands on myself. I want to do well by my clients, my students, my associates. And at the end of that day, when that my time is up, when Caitlin says nothing's else on the schedule, that's my Fred Flintstone moment. Right, Caitlin? That's my Fred Flintstone moment. Boom! Off work. A yabba-dabba-doo time, baby. A dabba-doo time. I'm out of here. You, I'm out of here. And don't call me until the next day. Right, Caitlin? Yeah. Do not call me because it's yabba-dabba-doo time. I can't wait to just get home. I don't have anything to do at home, but I can't wait to get home because I love being at home. And John, you know you've come over the house on the weekend. Mm -hmm. It's a yabba-dabba-doo time. Work on cars, play with the kids. Play with the kids, that's right. Play with Hot Wheels. I think fortune plays a role, but for those who know you, you worked your ass off to build this this very thing away from the nine to five, away from outside influence, away from, like there was a lot of running around, but with intention. And I think that's what's been lost. Like I think about Kyle and myself, we run around a lot, but we have end goals in mind. We have an intention behind our running around. It's not just random, but why are you doing that? Everything we do leads to the next thing. We have purpose behind it. And, and, and my warning to everyone is if you're running a race, know where it ends. I ran the 400, 800 meter when I ran track. Two lap and one lap. And there's a strategy for each part of that race. But you know what? If they keep moving the finish line, you're in bad shape. So what I say to any of these things is know the end of it. Know what the end looks like. If you're taking a course in, in developing yourself educationally, that course ends at a certain time, that knowledge marinates in you, and then you go out and you actualize the knowledge. You don't just keep trying to go back to another seminar, another workshop, another this. Test yourself. Test yourself. You don't want to be the professional student. You got to get out in life and then turn that into something. Have a finale. The, the, that thing that I'm done. Here is my swan song. I did it. And then reassess that. But we, we do ourselves a great justice if we reject the upside down world. That success is endless running around with no measurable end to this. No measurable end. We're watching the destruction of families, the premature aging of people, the higher rates of diseases of all kind 
due to uh, consumptive consumptive expressions of energy on a cellular level. We're declining, declining. We're not improving. We're not improving. You hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We're not doing better. This latest generation, the people born in the 2000s, aren't expected to live as long as anybody else. And then we're teaching them a lesson that, yeah, there, there there's always more. No, there is no more. And that's, yeah, I, I worked hard to do what I do. I just say that freedom isn't free. I do what I do on my terms. This is what, and then I've shared it and I pass it on to all of you guys. And I'm thinking every day, every day, I tell you every day, John, that when I'm not here, here's what you're going to learn. Learn from me when I'm not here. When I'm not here. I tell Kaylin that. If I'm not here, the way we're setting up our business, do I mean it in the simple morbid sense of death? Yes and no. I mean it in the quantum continuum of things. That I want to leave a legacy, but I want to benefit from that in my lifetime. I want this place to provide for me sustenance when I'm not here so I can do what I like the most, which is whatever the hell I like the most (laughs) that minute, right? So this constant going, and you look at people, and we want to catch our breath. We want to come out, out of the stew, and we want to look around and go, you know what? There's something really rotten going on. This world looks like something out of some apocalyptic movie with clowns and freaks of all kind. The, 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 the metaphorical walking dead. And then we're, we're just told, no, that, that's okay, it's okay. It's success. It's success. You know, when you sit in some of these meetings, and Vin, you, you can second my, my motion on this. I remember years ago working corporate and they would have these meetings and most of the meetings were for people who had no personal life, who had given themselves to the company. We used to call it ate up. The company had ate them up. And they would sit in these meetings and drag you into the meetings and they would drone on and it felt like I was getting some sort of medieval torture sitting in these meetings. They could have said everything they needed to say in that meeting in five minutes. Everything they needed to say, but it would drone on and on for hours. And you would feel like someone had a drill in the back of your head trying to bore through the back of your head into your eyeballs. It was so painful to sit in these meetings. And then the people would come up to you and they would quiz you on the meeting afterwards. But the people who would quiz you on the meetings had no life that you would want to trade with. Ask yourself when these people are running around, do you want to trade your life with theirs? What you got to... Look, as I told this young man the other day, and he was talking about all the things he was going through at work, that it was driving him to drinking and drug. I said, what happened if you quit your job? What happened if you didn't do it? Oh, I, 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 I'm set for life, but I, I really want to make a difference in other people's lives. I get off on making, I said, well, how about go home? How about go home and make a difference in those people's lives and be a living example for the rest of them? Why don't you go home and just be a beacon of light in a world that is out of focus? Why don't you be the clear lens? He said, oh, that's interesting. 
Because now you're, you're facing divorce, your kids are having health problems. What if you just went home? What if all these people you, you think you're elevating, it's not what you want, you want them to tell you you're great. Then after they tell you you're great, you need somebody else to tell you you're great. Then after that stranger, disconnected person, somebody who doesn't give a rat's ass about you or would bust a grape for your well-being, tells you you're great, then you're looking for the next person, the next excitement, the next stimuli. So you're going to go into freaking cortical collapse pretty soon because you can't get enough stimulation. It's like people who hoard stuff. You can't keep enough stuff. Everything has some sort of richness to it. It's like what happens when you buy from Amazon. You ever buy from Amazon, you push that button, it says, on the way. Then it asks you for something else. Oh, I might get one more thing. And they'll give me a little reward. It's like this little reward. They give you. It's on its way. Have you seen this? Man, I get that. It's on its way. And then you run to the box. You open Yay! And you don't even know what it is. When did I order this? I don't even smoke fucking cigars. Why does it have a cigar puffer in it? So, it's a trick. We're being tricked. This is the okie doke. As I told your baby, man, this is the okie doke. Let's not fall for the okie doke. The old switcheroo. Let's get back and be more sensible people. Let's learn from Fred Flintstone what's most important. The most important thing we could do is at the end of our day is have a yabba dabba do time, a dabba do time. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> if your day doesn't end with that, you're on the wrong track in this upside down world because you need to fail to be successful. You must fail at all the things this world is telling you is success. Don't spend all your money. Don't work to pay bills. Don't work yourself into the grave. Don't work yourself into divorce. Don't work yourself into infertility. Don't work yourself into anxiety. Don't work yourself into psychosis. Don't work yourself into dysfunction. Don't work your children into autism. Don't do that to yourself. Don't work yourself until you're so out of shape you're having all sorts of other problems. And you, you, you're, 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 you, you know your orthopedic surgeon by first name. Don't, don't, don't do that to yourself. Fail, 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 and enjoy your life. And have a yabba-dabba-doo-ta. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I'm sitting here laughing at some of your corporate descriptions. I'm just thinking back to my experience. Uh, there was this person that I worked for early on after school, and <laughs> literally we would sit down in meetings. He would love scheduling meetings at the end of the day. We'd have something to go over, like a presentation. To your point, should take five minutes. There was actually no reason to even go through it. I knew what I was doing. There was nothing I was going to gain from the interaction, but he wanted to go through it. And then I would sit there, and throughout the meeting, which would start at 4 o'clock, he would get distracted and then check stuff on the computer. Then he would get calls from contractors. Then he would start telling me about problems roofing his house and yard work that he was planning on doing. And this would just drag on for three hours. And literally by the end, I felt like you did. I wanted to shoot myself. Like anything to just <laughs> end this insanity. But he got a lot of value out of it. And he never wanted to go home to his family. 
the biggest question, uh, the most exciting part of his day was around 6.30, 7 o'clock he would come in when the rest of us were trying to figure out a way to pack up so we could get the hell out and say, all right, guys, what's for dinner? What are we ordering for dinner? Here are the menus. Isn't it great? We have all this choice. We can get whatever we want. Company pays for it. We can all sit down and eat together in a conference room wearing suits and ties. And it was just horrible. And there's so many examples of that. I mean, there are people who've been incredibly successful by conventional standards, made a lot of money, gotten to the C-suite, these big executive positions, and then they literally die doing their job. So one day they just wake up and have a heart attack, and that's it, and they're gone. Did they even have a chance to enjoy what they built to appreciate anything aside from endless meetings, HR conversations, presentations that have no point. It's kind of like, what is the purpose of any of this? What value are you actually extracting day to day? And when I think about this, see, it's really interesting for me because I've gone through the same thing. I mean, I was at a point in my life a little before I started working with you, where I felt like I needed that validation. And it was almost like I didn't know what was important in my life. I think it was a dearth of meaning. When you don't know what's important, you grab on to standards that are easy to measure, easy to quantify. It's stuff that other people appreciate, which means that it's the same stuff everyone else is doing. And it comes back to things like how much money are you making, what title do you have in whatever company you're working at, are you an entrepreneur, have you built up a successful business, are you able to go to the right parties, whatever it is. So I didn't select all of these standards, but there were some of them around professional success that became very important to me. And it was just a total dead end. I mean, instead of succeeding one, I failed by those standards because I had the wrong mindset going in. I was doing things for the wrong reason. I was doing it for validation. And so because it was so ego-driven, I set myself up for failure. And then on top of that, I looked at my mindset, and I was anxious all the time, and I was insecure. And I got to a point where I just said, what the hell am I doing? You know, I've gone from getting a lot of recognition as a student. I was an excellent student, got a lot of praise for that. And then I went to Wall Street and immediately I was successful and people were talking about how great I was and, and I felt great. And then I left and I started my own business because I wanted to prove something and that was a failure and I was working on my own and I felt irrelevant. Uh, my self-esteem took a big hit then I went back to the corporate world and got this big job. And people who would hear this would be like, oh, wow, you're working there and this is what you're doing. That's so cool. And I kind of looked at this and I was like, this makes no sense. I mean, I'm the same dude. I'm the same person all along. Why is my self-esteem going up and down like a roller coaster based on what either other people are saying about me or even worse, my perception of what they might be saying about me. It just made no sense. There was no substance. There was nothing solid in that existence. It was all this foundation of sand that we've talked about. And 
that was the point where I said, I have to live differently. I, I've got to do better and I need to find a better way to live. I, I didn't know exactly what it was at the time. But that, plus some other things that were happening in my personal life, got me on a different path. And that's when I started to spend the time with meditation and yoga, started to really examine my choices, question what was important to me, and started working with you. And that's when I restructured most of my life. And the interesting thing is, if you look at my life from a distance, it looks very similar. I'm still in a corporation. I'm still living in New York. I'm still part of a certain circle, but I'm not attached to it. And my social interactions have changed. My measures of success have changed. My workout, my diet, where I spend my time, what gives me fulfillment, all that is very different. But it was a long, hard process. It required that I got to a point of sufficient pain where I really had to examine what I cared about, what is meaningful to me in this brief amount of time that we have, and how can I set my own standards in a way that serve myself. And I wrote a lot about this, Z, and it was interesting as I flushed this out because you start thinking about standards. Standards are totally arbitrary. Maybe arbitrary is the wrong word, but we have complete freedom in what we ascribe value to. So some people might take great pride in making a lot of money. Others might be disgusted by people who make a lot of money. Those are opposite standards. There's nothing that's universal. Or even if you agree upon the standard, what's success to one person might be failure to another. So it's not like there's some God who's looking down who's saying, okay, in order for you to be successful, you have to do A, B, and C. It's that we're creating the life that we want to lead. We're building these standards on our own. And what's interesting to me is if we're building those standards, why not create a set of standards that serves us, that gives us fulfillment and meaning and satisfaction and peace instead of a set of standards that leads to urgency, anxiety, and physical decay? It's up to us. We can choose one or the other. So that became very clear to me, and that's when I reoriented a lot of my life experience. But what I want your perspective on is how does someone do that? I mean, if people are struggling with this issue and we're just so steeped in this way of being, this dysfunctional, these dysfunctional metrics of society, and this is how we operate and ego gets involved as well. We pay lip service to it. I mean, no one's going to dispute that family is important. You ask 100 people, probably 100 of them will say, yeah, my family's the most important thing. But then you look at what they do, and they're wasting time, or they're on their cell phone, or they're crippled by anxiety around work. So it, there might not even be an awareness of the choices that they're making. How do we get by this and start to live more intelligently? I mean, really internalize this, get beyond the ego hopefully without going through the painful collapse. I mean, if we get to a point of breakdown, yeah, maybe then we have clarity. Uh, but if we're not quite there, how can we reorient and, and really really take control of our standards and, and build a way of life which is more suitable for us? Well, one of the ways is, is clarity of sight, right view, as the Buddha says. 
you said a few things, and, and I, I want to cover that. When you talk about self-esteem, in the upside-down world, self-esteem means other people come to you and tell you you're okay. In the right-side world, self-esteem means just what it says. Call a spade a spade. Self-esteem. Hold yourself up based on your own self. Don't compare yourself to other people, nor look outside yourself for other people to tell you you're okay. Don't look around to see if they're going to reward you or not reward you. Because as much as we share and can love and be benevolent people, inevitably it's up to you to live your own life. Now, you were with me uh, last week when all the people came around and, and, and told me that I had done something good in their life. And it was uh, overwhelming. It was a wonderful feeling. I was cried tears of joy. And in the same stream of tears were tears of sorrow, uh, tears of elation. Every emotion you could imagine were in that river of tears I was crying. And yet when those tears dried, I went back to work. I did what I had to do. I never did what I did wanting people to come up to me and tell me whether I was okay or not. The Tao always has told us, if you look to other people for approval, you'll always be their slave. And you put these people in a bad position when you give your, your esteem away over to them. Who wants that responsibility? It's not a beauty contest or a prom. Life isn't that. Just do your best every day. Understand the ravages of the ego. People may like you or dislike you for the exact same reason. You have absolutely no control over it whatsoever. You have no more control over that than you do your digestive habits. You can't control them no more than you control the moon and the tides. All you can do is your best. And when you're lost and when you're feeling down on yourself because other people didn't tell you you were okay, Go into deeper self-examination. And remember, here's the clue. Self-esteem means self-esteem. It doesn't mean something else. It doesn't mean other esteeming me. Well, you know, I, I'm not being acknowledged. Well, then don't do it. Don't loan more money than you can stand to lose. If people aren't acknowledging you, then who cares? If they do acknowledge you, great. But you know what? I was going to do what I was going to do anyway. I work in this field. I try to mitigate human suffering. That's how Z's been all his life. All before John Tay and Caitlin were even uh, a sparkle in their parents' eyes. I was doing what I was doing. Those people you met hadn't seen me in 30 plus years, Vin. You saw it. I've just been doing what I'm doing. I didn't look left or right. I did that for the most selfish reason. I did it for me because it helps me get through my life. And if somebody happened to look and see what I was doing or benefit from it, hell, that's a bonus. That's extra. That's surplus. And so nobody owns me in that way. People say, oh, I hate Z. I love Z. I take it all the same. All you guys have witnessed that. All of you have witnessed that. And that gives me a, a different type of clarity in this world. And when you do whatever you do in life, 
The first thing is whatever your exchange of energy is in life for that eight hours a day you call work, the first thing is is to pay the bills. Anything else is is a bonus. Don't go to work looking to be happy. Are you going to work to look for sexual satisfaction? Isn't that what that Epstein dude did? And who's that Weinstein? That's what they were doing. They were going to work for sexual satisfaction. They become now a pariah on society. Nobody likes them anymore. They used to love them. Then they got busted. This is how the world is. They've been doing the same thing forever. Long as I've been doing what I was doing, them dudes were going to work for sex. I had the lowly task of mitigating human suffering, protecting people, building people's lives, helping people get help them well. If I got sex out of it, it was a bonus. It wasn't what I was working towards. Every now and then, somebody would, you know, throw me an orgasm or something. I was just, you know, hey, that's like getting an extra tip or something. But I still just do what I do, whether I get it or not. Now, we have to clear our head because, see, this is the upside-down world. We're the twilight of the Kali Yug. We're far away from the eminence of divinity and, and, and the cosmic source of things. So we're out of our damn mind. And we need to know, like a good drug user knows when they're on drugs. A good alcoholic knows when they're on alcohol. A good pilot knows when he's tired. And he knows how that will hinder his ability to pilot that craft. You have to be a skilled person in the self. We want to be skilled at knowing the self. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a bad mood. I'll tell people, you guys heard me come in. I'm in, a, I'm in a crazy space right now. I'm tired. I'll tell you guys, I'm tired. You've called me to vent. Yeah, I call you. I tell you, I'm just venting. But I know I'm doing it. I know I'm doing it. It's not just happening. It's not just fate, just uh, 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 victimizing me. I'm not being dragged through the coal by the fairy godmother. I know what's going on. And so I say the remedy to that is always put a chokehold on your ego. You shouldn't look for compliments you probably don't deserve compliments for doing your job. If you get one, that's great. If you don't, that's great too. And if you don't like that, then you should do something about it. Don't ask the world to change for you. The world will not change for you. Change for the world. And then we're just better off. And know that we live in crazy times. Turn the damn news off. It is not news. Okay, turn the news off. Read a book. Download online books or something. Learn something, grow, practice something. And then that way we can relieve ourselves from this and we can cleanse ourselves from the stink of this chaos we're living in. It is really bad out there. And if anybody tells you different, oh no, just, just, just put on a happy face. They used to have this movement back in the, put on a happy face and just say nice things. No, something is wrong, man. I'm not putting on a happy face in some weird situation. This is not cool. This is not cool. No, it's not. It's like Dr. Seuss. This is not cool. It is not. It's not. It cannot, will not be cool at all. I will not be fooled. No, I will not. So you got to go Dr. Seuss on somebody. You understand? And so when you understand that, you can start really fortifying yourself. You nurture your home life. If you got friends and family take care of them like a good garden everything else will come from that if you grow a good garden 
Those plants convert carbon monoxide and pollution to air. What if you grew your own garden and your garden consisted of whatever you're doing around yourself? You're a good example of harmonious interaction. You attract that into your life. You build a huge garden and community of harmonious interaction, nurturing people, cultivate your mind. What if you did that? Just cultivated your mind. And then more mental cultivations coming on. People come to you because you're well cultivated. They go out and they're well cultivated. You've done your part for the world. Just be a light for the world. But if you're chasing, you're in the endless pursuit, endless pursuit, and you want the Faces Committee to tell you you're okay, you might as well be a rabid dog with dysentery chasing his tail. That's, that looks bad, doesn't it? Because, you know, dysentery, you have explosive projectile diarrhea. So imagine being that dog chasing his tail. You don't want to be that person. That's who most people are right now. Oh, you're not acknowledging me. I have something important to say. Most people have nothing to say. Ask them, what's the last book you read? What's the last skill you developed? That's interesting. Other than that, you're not interesting. Most people aren't interesting. It's okay. It's, it's okay. Most people don't have hobbies, interests, passion, any kind. They don't even get it. And, and you can accept them, but stay away from them. It will drain your energy. You will be tired. It is tiring. I find myself sometimes dodging people like that. I feel like I'm in an Olympic steeplechase trying to get away from these damn people. You have no interest, no hobby other than looking at what I'm doing. It's just like you're an Olympic steeplechase on Vampire Day. You understand? Midnight, vampires are out, and you're still steeplechasing, just trying to get away from them, trying to suck your neck dry, trying to make it one more hurdle. Stay away from these people. Cultivate yourself. Then look at time. See, time is the relentless taskmaster. Eight hours of work, eight hours of life, eight hours of sleep. That is the objective. Thrive on being uninteresting. If interesting is the faceless committees judging you. How much of this do you put on being happy with your life? Because I have a lot of immigrant friends, for example, um, and their fathers are crazy, crazy as hell, but you can see the love in the household, despite the fact that the dads work 12, 14 hour days sometimes. They come home, there's love in the house. There's happiness in the house. Latchkey kids, like they grew up latchkey kids. The dad was gone 14 hours. And then he'd come home, hey son, hey daughter, X, Y, Z. So how much do you put on personal happiness, even if that's the life you're living? I would say to answer that, the greatest type of happiness, according to the Vedas and the Tao, is contentment. Mm -hmm. When I know I'm tired, but I busted my ass and I walk through the door, my little boys bum rush me, or my older children call me, my daughter called me the other day to talk about health and wellness and explain to me that she had done some research on our family and her name and it just lifted my spirits. For the people I love, I'll work in a, I'll work in, in, a, in a mine in hell. I'll do what I gotta do. I'll shovel shit for Barnum and Bailey Circus, man. And I will love doing it. Because if that brings the joy and comfort to them, that duty elevates me. Happiness, the greatest type of happiness is contentment. 
when I fall asleep at night with nothing on my mind, that's the most beautiful feeling in the world. That my friends, my family, when I see those kids that I worked with 30 years ago doing well, I cried myself to sleep. Vin was there. Vin, you know it, man. You know it. It was beautiful, man. It was beautiful. When I see you guys doing well here, after all the bitching and complaining you guys have love for each other, I did. I had a good day at work. I might be pissed off because you guys are doing all kind of other weird, crazy stuff, uh, parking IVs, RVs in the alley. And all this. But overall, I'm content. I don't end my day dissatisfied with my efforts. So too that immigrant father who is, will crawl through dirt every day, degraded, humiliated, working for less. I have a mechanic came to my house to do some work. I found for a few dollars, the 70-year-old man works. I said, where are you going afterwards? He said, I'm going to uh, babysit my grandchild. I'm going to go wash up, babysit my grandchild, pick up a toy first. 70 years old, mobile mechanic in a beat-up car. And, and he had more joy in him than most of the people that I know that I buried, these businessmen, these people who pursued these interesting things, but, but they lost love. They had no love in their life. And I know it sounds to some people that it's, it's weird because you feel entitled to love. You let enough people die like I know. You let enough people die and you will appreciate what love is. And it's a damn shame if you have to go through that. I went through it for you. So it is contentment we pursue, not happiness. Mm -hmm. Did you do the best you could today? Yeah, I'm good. And then when you see your loved ones or you see people that, that look up to you in different ways, not because you demanded they look up to you, not because you uh, set up some sort of uh, hierarchy, but just because you were you. Man, you're sitting in the lap of the divine. I really did. I, I feel like sometimes as frustrated as man, I see you guys do well. I see Pretty Tony teaching a good class. Or I see you running the shop. Uh, I, I, I hear Caitlin getting her voice. No, really, really, that it does something to me that's the opposite of dying. It's the opposite of dying. And then on the same hand, when I see foolishness and the neglect of life, it kills me. What I would like for everybody who is with friends, everybody who is coupled up, everybody who's married or whatever situation you're in, that's the best it is. That's it. Your career is nothing. Your pursuit of things is nothing. It is absolutely nothing. The acknowledgement of random strangers who could give two shits about you is nothing. Measure up to yourself and let that measure be the measure of what you share with the people you love and then you can see clearly in this upside down world and don't second guess yourself because when you look out into this world, when you look out through the, this portal of this world, we're in strange times. If you see something weird, it's weird. Don't give it a name or a title. It's weird. It's not within the scope of nature. It's out of accord with physics.
It is not with the divine. And you want to be with the divine. You want to be with the flow. You want to be right five on five with physics. And that way, as you live through this life, when you finally shut your eyes for the last time, you, you breathe out that life, that expiration date comes. You know what? I did it. I did it good. I won't go out of this life kicking and fighting because I had a good run. And I was loved. I laid it on the line. And I put it where it counts. That's it. You follow me, Van? Z, I'm going to echo what you said. You're right. I was there. I was there during the trip, and I saw it. And it was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, people who hadn't seen you in 30 years coming up and just overjoyed to see you. Grown men who were children the last time they'd seen you, who you didn't even recognize, who were coming up and were just so happy to, to meet you because of some word you said 30 years ago or or some example that you personified that changed them or inspired them. And you're right, you were just being you. And you were doing it in the background. You weren't looking for reward or success. But all of that, everything you put out came full circle. And, and I saw it and it re-energized you. And not only that, Vin, I got to interrupt you, but please tell how they treated you because you're my nephew. Tell them how they treated you. Yeah, they treated me like I was uh, just part of the gang, uh, like I belonged in the crew. <laughs> the momentum of love, the momentum of love. Love has a momentum, man. It's a force. People don't get it. It's a force. Love, devotion, sacrifice. It has energy and power. And it swept you away. They, they looked at you like they looked at me. Just because of the momentum, the character of being. And it was good. That was good. Who could say that, man? Who can say that? Who, who could imagine that? No, you can't. You can't imagine it. I mean, I'm from such a different world. It was a completely different world to me. It was an industry and a lifestyle and a set of backgrounds that I rarely see. I mean, I, I see it more as I go through life. You meet different types of people. But to be with people who had been on tour in the 90s with at the height of Shock G's fame, who'd lived, lived that life, who'd inspired the creation of an industry that I'm trying to get into today, and as you're saying, to to welcome me, to put their arms around me, to sit down and talk to me. And some of them, you know, like uh, one of the guys who was there sitting down talking to you, it was so casual and the person was so understated. It could have been a conversation with a plumber uh, or a school teacher or anyone. Any, uh, you, you would have no idea that uh, this person was part of the genesis of hip-hop the creation of where we are today. But it was cool because it wasn't about any of that. You know, it wasn't about who you are or your credentials or who you know. It was just about being you and and being open and being able to relate to people as people. Without, I think that was probably the most interesting thing about the experience. It stripped away the filters, the filters that people normally carry around, the name-dropping the titles, the discussions 
of whatever they think is going to create some sense of validation or some sense of esteem, it was gone. And a lot of it probably was the moment. I mean, maybe in a different environment, people would have acted differently. Here, there was recognition maybe of a greater humanity because there was a sense of, of loss. And maybe in that, some sense of commonality across everyone who was there. Like, oh, we're all in this together. We're all going on this journey that we don't fully understand. But but at least we're here. You know, At least we can relate to one another. At least we can share stories, share some laughs. But yeah, man, I mean, it was really the opposite <laughs> of how most people interact, which is what we're getting at. I mean, that's the whole theme of today's podcast, that if you succeed by conventional metrics, you're a failure. You've actually done something wrong in life. You're going to pay a price. I mean, that's heavy if you think about it. If you succeed by the standards that society has laid out, you're destroying yourself. You're robbing yourself of your humanity. Just sitting with that is powerful. You lose everything that's worth living. Like, to piggyback on what you were just saying, Vin, uh, I've seen people that Z didn't grow up with or was around however many decades ago come in with that same energy. Um, We had a boxer, a fairly famous boxer, who used to come train with us. And you could see the layers strip away when he walked through the doors. And it was an interesting thing. Like, when you know Z, like, you know what he's been through in his life and you know what he's had to survive, to see the way that he emanates love for people is something to behold. Um, I know it's just changed the way that I've approached things in my own life. Like, I have friends who made millions selling protein powder, but they were importing it from China where there's no regulations, there's no there's no way to know what's really in it. And their thought proce- process on it was, well, people buy worse stuff on the street. Whatever happens, happens. I could have easily made millions, cut in with them. I could be a millionaire right now, but I couldn't bring myself to to cause that kind of chaos in people's lives. Just because being here has... It's reshaped the way that I look at the world. Um, you know, I've done whatever I've done in my life and I've I've sold my own things. And it's um it's interesting to know that you can rediscover empathy and 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 honor within the world, within yourself and project that to the world. Um so no, I I, I can only imagine what the reunion was like. What Jante sh- shared with us and just putting it out there, I never have done anything to be rewarded by other people. I did it because I was raised with this idea of certain things were noble. And nobility comes from a relationship that you have with whatever your God is. I'm not a religious person in that sense. But I am one who has a connection to this the quantum existence. I do what I feel is right. I've never done saintly. I don't see myself as a saintly person. But I know that I have never betrayed a friend. I've never turned away someone in need. 
That doesn't mean I won't kick a homeless out from in front of my door. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be some, uh, what they call these virtue signaling type person. I'll let you know what I don't like or do. There's a lot of people, there's things I don't like about them, but I have love for them. And it's my commerce in this world. And in closing on my end, life is really too short to not, to not love. It's really too short. That is it. That's me, Van. Yeah, so to add to what you said, Z, and and wind this down, we need our own standards. We look at society. The evidence is there. The conventional measures of success are a failed model. Maybe they worked at a time. I mean, maybe at a period in our history, the desire to have more, to acquire more made sense. Today it doesn't. It's just a mindless chase. It's anxiety-inducing. The need for validation weakens us. It erodes us and hollows us out. The need for safety keeps us from moving and evolving. So if we go down this path and we follow the conventional measures of success, we end up with bad health. We end up too fat. We've got microplastics in our diet. We've got lead on our brain. We're these weird desexualized people. <laughs> it's it's like a horror story. So we got to step out of that. We have to opt out of that. We have to set our own standards. Maybe it's around love. Maybe it's around self-expression. Maybe it's around family. Maybe it differs at different times. The important thing is we have to be true to ourselves. And if we do that, at least we've got a shot at actual success. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.